Tailgate. Austin Gill here with Mike Renner, back from Ann Arbor. And, buddy, you miss out. There you go. You hit us up, and you say you're sick. Day of. Morning of. good. Morning of. You're not feeling good. We take yeah. your car, go to Ann Arbor, and honestly, we've been on a lot of trips this year. It was the most fucking electric trip we've been on all year. It was a top five matchup. Michigan wins for the first time since 2011. First time in the Harbaugh era. And it's the first time that Michigan, in its history, goes to the Big Ten Championship. It was, by far, the most electric energy I've ever been a part of. I will say, I am very glad I didn't end up forcing it, because it did feel like shit. Mm -hmm. And then, so Saturday, I just got to watch a fantastic day of college football. Probably the best day of college football all season long. I mean, probably it was. That day was incredible. Uh, The matchups, and got to do a lot of tape study. And ended up moving Aiden Hutchinson to number one on the PFF draft board. He's that damn good. I mean, he took over that game, my lord. Here's the thing about Aiden Hutchinson, too. A lot of people are obviously big on Kayvon Thibodeau. They expect him to test really well. But what they don't, I don't think a lot of people realize, is that Aiden Hutchinson's also going to test insanely. And in this game, 15 total pressures. Ohio State hasn't allowed more than 13 pressures to an opposing team since the entire season. And then you factor in that, Going against Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, who could be a top 50 pick in the 2022 draft, absolutely exposed him. Dewan Jones also put on his back a handful of times. He was dominant start to finish. And I will say this. Aiden Hutchinson right now is plus 1,500 to go first overall in the 2022 draft and plus 1,400 to win the Heisman. Now, Heisman's crazy, right? Oh, no defensive players don't win. No defensive player has won since Charles Woodson. Bryce Young is the favorite. If he loses to Georgia... As people expect him to, that line is six and a half. How can yeah. you give it to Bryce Young? It's not, like he play, it's not like he put up stats against yeah. Auburn even last week. You can't give it to C.J. Stroud, who's number two in odds at plus 400. He just took a beating. He's not, yeah. He hasn't got another game this year until the bowl. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson gets two or three sacks, one or two sacks against Iowa, and they win. Go into the college football playoff. I think that's enough, right? Is that not enough? I, I, I can't believe it's plus 1,400. It should be better than that. I mean, there is still a bias against defensive players. And there is still name recognition, and now that helped him a lot, but he really wasn't on the radar prior to yeah. that. But plus 1,400, I don't know who you give it to on the offensive side of the ball. Like, I don't know which quarterback has Unless Bryce themselves. Young wins. Yes, that's, the o- that's really the only way. Because if Bryce Young looks like every single other quarterback has looked like against George this year, and yeah, he's probably the best one he's got to face, but it's still George's defense. If he looks the way he's, every other quarterback has looked this year— no one's giving him the Heisman after that. Just no one's going to see that game and say, okay, yeah, still get Bryce Young the Heisman. It's going to go to someone else. Alabama, I mean, Georgia has allowed 83 points this season. Mm-hmm. The second team in that list is, is Clemson. They've allowed 180. <laughs> Bama is not going to, if they win, still not put up gaudy numbers. Now, yeah. if Bryce Young wins, they beat Bama, the, or beat Georgia, that's going to be a big upset, and he'll, he'll, he'll win it for sure. He's a lock. Yeah. But they're not even a favored to win that game. They're not even favored. They're not going to cover six, six and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that line is absolutely bananas. And if you can get Aiden Hutchinson for Heisman at plus fourteen hundred, plus a thousand, plus five hundred, go get it. Like it doesn't. Michigan is favored by ten and a half over Iowa in the Big Ten championship. They're going to win that football game. Mm-hmm. Georgia is favored by six and a half over Bama. They're going to win that football game. And at that point, you're going to give it to a losing quarterback in the SEC championship or a losing quarterback against Michigan. I don't know, man. I think that line's crazy. Yeah, and to go back to Hutchinson's draft prospects, why he goes up to number one overall, it's like athletically you're splitting hairs between who's the more projectable athlete to the NFL level. And Hutchinson, 
maybe more so than any edge rusher in recent memory, has done it against the top tackles in the country. He did it against Jackson Kirkland of Washington early in the season, three sacks in that game. Does against Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, three sacks in this game. That's, like, that is, at that point, and especially if it's going to be the Detroit Lions who end up with an one overall pick, I don't care what your evaluation is, just the pure fact of getting the guy who's in your backyard who is going to immediately be a fan favorite is worth whatever difference you might have in evaluating these prospects on your draft board. That in, in and of itself would tip the scales for me if I'm a Lions GM to draft Ian Hutchinson. And something that always comes up to me, too, in the back of my mind, we had Bruce Feldman on this podcast right when he dropped that freaks list. And you mentioned, you're like, Kayvon Thibodeau's not even on this list. Yeah. And then he talked, he's like, there are a lot of other players at Oregon that are more athletic and had better numbers than what Kayvon Thibodeau's throwing out there. People were like, oh, wait till the combine. Kayvon Thibodeau's going to blow it up. Wait till the combine for Aiden Hutchinson. Man, mm-hmm. I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to surprise some people. And right now, there's a lot of meat on the bone to betting on Aiden Hutchinson to be number one overall or even be the highest. Yeah, and there's some skeptics about Quiddy Pay's numbers last year when he was number one on Bruce and Streaks list. And obviously, we never got to see his three cone as pro day. But he, at 261 pounds, had a 457 as pro day, did 36 bench reps and a 35 and a half inch vertical. He was <laughs> a freak of nature as pro day. That was no sort of Michigan bump that he got. That was for real. I want to get more to our catch and early buzz. I want to talk Lincoln Riley. I want to talk Spencer Rattler. But I'm going to tie a bow on Ann Arbor. Mm. I said it was the most electric trip we've been on this year. A lot of that was atmosphere, right? But yeah. still, Ann Arbor is, in my opinion, the best college football town we've been to this year. And we've been to Tuscaloosa. Oh. And here's why. Here's why. Michigan, the city of Ann Arbor is built around that program to a T. It is the largest um, campus I think I've ever seen in terms of spread. It is spread so wide across Ann Arbor. 40% of the population in Ann Arbor go to the school. It is built for college. It is built for students from top to bottom. The food, the bar scene, the atmosphere, all built top to bottom. Michigan, Ann Arbor stole my heart, Mike. I don't know if you can tell. Ann Arbor stole my heart. It's going to have to be an annual trip. I, I would encourage you to figure it out next year because we're going to have to go back. Because I, I think I think we go Michigan, Michigan State next year. That was in East Lansing this year. We take that to Ann Arbor. It's a good time. Shout out to Scorekeepers. That bar was sweet. Rick's is an absolute dream. NYPD Pizza saved me. And then there's a Chipotle that also gave me, a, gave me some good vibes as well. All right, let's get to... Lincoln Riley to USC. Lincoln Riley tells people, tells the presses, tells everybody, I'm not going to be the next coach of you know LSU because there were those rumors you know swirling around that he was not going to be the next coach of LSU. Within like 24 hours, he's like, no, I'm the next coach at USC. That is, I saw someone tweet this out. And I'm going to steal it, but that is Aaron Rodgers saying he's immunized. Aaron Rodgers saying he's immunized is Lincoln Riley saying he's not going to be the next well, coach at LSU. Well, to me, if you're like thinking about. Lincoln Riley as a head coach and like why is he so good as a play caller why is he as talented offensive mind look at the 3D chess he was playing there on that reporter dude he was just immediately coming out and be like let me just say this before the guy even asked the question I'm not gonna be the head coach at LSU shutting down that knowing damn well in the back of his mind he was definitely going on his way exactly like a beautiful misdirection on his play a counter if you will that he just ran on the press that was Masterclass. I don't think either of us are going to have all that unique of an opinion on this hire for USC. This is, in my opinion, yeah. exactly what they needed. When we talked about Clay Hilton getting fired, it's like they need a star. They don't mm. need, we talked about Eric Bieniemy for a little bit, they need a legitimate college football star. And I don't think if you ask every USC fan that watched the game this year, if you ask them, do you think Lincoln Riley 
is an option. But like, are you kidding me? That would be insane. There's no way. There's no way he leaves OU. There's no. Yeah. He did, and now this yeah. is. I don't think you. I mean, outside of like Saban, Dabo, like some of these other big names, like this is the biggest name. Harbaugh. This is the biggest name they could have got. And the crazy thing to me, and and Seth Galina made this point when I was with him yesterday here in the office when the news broke. The college football analyst here at PFF. He said that. Lincoln Riley or he made the point that Lincoln Riley in a short time at Oklahoma, I believe he's been there only five years as the actual head coach, a little bit longer as the offense coordinator for a couple of years prior to that. But his sort of brand or like his his image, brand, whatever, has usurped Oklahoma's like Oklahoma has become Lincoln Riley and not the other way around to where Lincoln Riley, like all, all the recruits, all the everything, they're not going there because it's Oklahoma football. And Oklahoma football had this vast tradition prior to Lincoln Riley, but they were going there to be in Lincoln Riley's offense, to be playmakers, to put up big stats, to then go to the NFL. So from Oklahoma's perspective, they are kind of hung out to dry. Like everyone, everyone growing up right now, all the recruits are – they see Oklahoma and synonymous with this high-powered offense and whatever. They don't know about that it was you know a defensively led head coach prior to him in Bob Stoops. They don't know the tradition of Oklahoma and why they were good prior to that. So they might be as, a little SOL here. Like if you're an Oklahoma fan, uh, this is about as a biggest blow to the gut as I've seen to a fan base in a while. Are we on to? Spencer Rattler. Spencer yeah. Rattler officially enters the transfer portal. He'll no longer be on PFF draft boards or anyone's draft boards. He's going to another school. Now, mm-hmm. if you follow me on Twitter, I am campaigning. I'll look at the camera. Spencer Rattler to San Diego State. Not just the hottest team in the Mountain West, the hottest team in college football. Brady Hoke is creating legends down there in San Diego. But Michigan realistically, State. realistically, I think the jersey you're wearing could be an option. Is, no, is Notre Dame not an option? You don't think, you don't think Spencer Rattler Notre Dame's an option? I don't think he's going to Notre Dame. I feel like any time a guy transfers, it's always like they go back towards where they're from. He was a Phoenix, Arizona guy coming out of high school. I feel like he's going to go out to the Pac-12 somewhere. Not going to follow Lincoln Riley. No way. There's no way. He's going to tell him no thank you if he tries to. Um, But I think somewhere maybe like UCLA, if they lose Dorian Thompson Robinson, if if Dorian Thompson Robinson goes to the NFL, Oregon possibly. Like I think he goes back out to the West Coast. That would be my prediction at the moment. But – Ole Miss might have a quarterback opening. North Carolina might have a quarterback opening. I could see those positions interesting. I do think he well. want you. You add in this factor of like he wants to go back out west. Yeah. I also think he'd want to see Lincoln Riley maybe once or twice. I think UCLA could definitely be an option. I also think, but there's no way he goes to Arizona State or Arizona. That'd be absurd. That yeah. those teams don't have enough talent to prop up. He needs to go somewhere where he's going to look fucking so good. good yeah. He needs to go somewhere where he's going to actually look good over going out west and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Maybe Oregon makes more sense. I think that's probably the biggest thing that he needs. Um, that's on me. That's on me. I that's on me. Before the show, that's too. on me. That's Last on thing me. here, though, about Lincoln Riley that cracked me up was this tweet from Jim Nagy that said, one of Lincoln Riley's last orders of business in Norman today was handing out senior bowl invites to his players, dropping Oklahoma names in the morning. Just the, like the thought like the whole time and a place man i know this like the thought the like the thought of lincoln riley addressing the team being like hey i'm going to usc whatever nick Love you guys sorry <laughs> and then he's like nick perry on get up here you got senior bowl invites peace <laughs> getting out of there it's like that just had to be uh an absurd awkward. sort of had to be awkward yes. unless the, he didn't announce to the team he was leaving before he did that that had to have been 
I, I got good news and I got bad news. Yeah. <laughs> the good news is, Benito, Paradon, yeah. you're going to the senior bowl. The bad news is, I'm on a plane tonight to fucking USC because yeah. this team stinks. Pretty much like all the coordinators you took as well. It's, yeah. Oh, my God. That's incredible. All right, let's get off this catch and early buzz and let's turn back the clocks a little bit to Thanksgiving. What a snore. It was a bad slate of Thanksgiving games. Am I well, crazy? I mean, the Raiders-Cowboys was hot. Was good, but got ruined by the refs. Like, objectively yeah. ruined by the refs. That was, that was just... The amount of PIs that were just, it was over officiated, and I, no one wants to see I that. Think I, we'll have, games, so. I think I have, and I'll say, I think I have an incompatible take on Thanksgiving games. Okay. There is zero reason the same team should play on Thanksgiving every year. That borderline guarantees tradition, bad matchups. Like, why can't it be something you flex into? Like, why that makes they way do. more sense. The Bill Saints, or not, it's not flexed into, but it's like the last game is always a new one. Yeah, year. but I, but. Forcing us to watch the Lions every year for the last 10, 20, whatever years is just a disaster. Like, no one wants to see that. I don't hate it. And like, you I mean, the Packers play the Lions sometimes. That's you don't, you don't want, you just don't want that, in my opinion. I think you want to move. Yeah. It's tradition to watch terrible football. I mean, because like, then there's situations well, that's, where quarterback well, okay, gets so hurt. it's like the 12 30 game. You take a nap. Like, you obviously drank the night well, before. Then why even play it? Then why even play You're it this drink point? it a little bit, and you take a nap during the middle I of it. I think all three games, asleep. all three games should be, like, flexed into something special. I mean, everyone's watching. It's the only day where you get, like, three island games. It's fucking sick. It should be treated that way. Instead, they put Jared Goff on my football, on my screen. They put Jared yeah. Goff on my TV for Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Did you like the mashed potatoes? No. Did you like Jared Goff looking like shit? Sure. Maybe they want you to focus on your family a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Then don't play the games. That's all I'll say. <laughs> all right. Bears, Bears win 16-14. Yeah. You put in your notes here. You almost fell asleep. It was a disaster. I put in my notes. I never want to see this game again. But Travis Gibson, big guy would like to add a Tulane or Tulsa. Tulsa. He has been grading really well this year, given more opportunities yeah. with Khalil Mack hurt. Turn back on that tape. He looks phenomenal against the Detroit Lions. That's one of the bigger takeaways I had. He looked good. I will also say Penny Sewell, 93.2 run blocking grade. He's looked good of late. But yeah, Travis Gibson, Travis Gibson, a guy we loved, man. He went fifth round, 155, 155th overall. He was the top 100 player on the PFF draft board coming out. Uh, I was very surprised because he has the kind of, was another guy who had the tools. And then, like, didn't really have pass rushing moves. And you saw that last year when you couldn't even see the field. But with Khalil Mack out, he was productive, man. Can we get to the other game? I don't want to talk about this one. Oh, yeah. That was, okay. that was, that was Raiders, Raiders Cowboys. That. I doubted my Las Vegas Raiders yeah. in this one. I did not see it coming. But I do think I understated how much not having CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper in this one mattered. Like, I mean, we, yes. without those two guys, and you're starting Noah Brown, Cedric Wilson, and I know Cedric Wilson looked good in this game, it is difficult to move the football. I don't care how healthy Dak Prescott is. And they still have injuries along the offensive line as well. You know, Max Crosby was teeing off on Thanksgiving. This was a tough look for this Cowboys offense. And they still put up 33. Now, the biggest takeaway, like you said, was the penalties. I mean, what was it? 27 combined penalties in this game. Anthony Brown called for an NFL high, single game high, four defensive pass interferences, including the one that set up the game-winning field goal for the, for the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, that was, it took everything away from the game. No one cares about, the, you know, no, it took everything away. It took everything away. Yeah, it, that was all I even want to talk about and with good reason because that was the last one was I mean I don't think it was pass interference I am like as heavy a if it's pass interference call it like if a guy is does not have his head turned around and impacts the play but I truly don't think he actually did in that situation um and to decide the game on that was very fitting to be honest with the rest of how the game was officiated but I don't want to talk more players in this one. Micah Parsons, yet again, 10 pressures, 17 pressures now over the past two weeks. 
is legitimately, I mean, in the conversation for best edge rusher we've seen as a rookie. You're, like, I think it's between him and Von Miller, who was honestly a very similarly sized and freak athlete himself coming out of Texas A&M. And those two guys are, that is it, it one and two for your best edge rushers. And now he's still, and the crazy thing is like he's still kind of not even, he doesn't even have a ton of moves. He's just that gifted as a football player that to see where he could take his game is going to be scary and see where this defense goes when they get to full strength, when they do have Randy Gregory back, when they do have Demarcus Lawrence, also scary, even if their back end was a little tough in this one. Although they, okay, so they, they put Jordan Lewis, the, the, remember the Jordan Lewis play, Hunter Renfro? I was going back and watching on the All-22. They had Jordan Lewis backing off from the slot into cover two as a safety was one of the craziest calls I saw all weekend from a defense coordinator, and he just had no fucking clue what to do. He's, he's, he's a slot cornerback. He's not a safety. He's not a deep safety playing a half. He was just backing off into a half and guarding nobody. And that was uh, something that I think, oh, what's his face, Dan Quinn's going to watch, go back and watch and be like, uh, maybe, I don't, maybe I keep that one in the bag. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Hunter Renfro. I, want, I was looking at the 2019 draft class. Yeah. Receivers. Yeah. DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Marquise Brown, Debo Samuel, Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, TJ Hawkinson, you include him. That was an insane... We don't have to include TJ Hawkinson there. But he still ranks top 10 in receiving yards since 2019 among all players in that class. Like, this was an insane class. I mean, you have multiple number one receivers. And I'm not calling Hunter Renfro number one, but like, Hunter Renfro is like, yeah, he plays a ton of the slot, but dude, he has been cleaning up for the Las Vegas Raiders. He has been, Debo Samuel is legitimately a wide receiver one. He doesn't play wide receiver all the time for San Francisco. It was a crazy, crazy class. All those guys have really balled out. That was one that I couldn't believe that was kind of getting shit on when, like I get, there was that four-year stretch, whatever, from 15 to 18, where it was, those classes stunk. You had the great 14 class, those four years of classes, it was like you would get one or two guys a year. Um, and then 19, I was like, this, this, is a little, this looks a little different. Like you got guys, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown looked to me like a guy who wins at the NFL level still. And you got two guys sneaking in the back end of round one and Marquise Brown and Nikhil Harry. And I didn't think one of them didn't come off the board to like, what, 27? That was like the first one. That was just surprising to me that it got that slept on that receiver class. I mean, DK Metcalf fell to the second round. Back in, yeah. Last pick. That was disastrous by all means. All right, last game on Thanksgiving. This one, another blowout. They put Trevor Simeon on my TV. They said, hey, you know, really appreciate you. You know, we're really thankful for the fans in the NFL, people who cover the NFL. How about you watch Trevor Simeon play? That was a disaster. Devin Devin Singletary looked really good in that game. Josh Allen was one of the better games that he's had this season. But, man, my takeaway is how bad is Taysom Hill hurt? Because if he, if he can be this emergency backup, and I know they mentioned on the broadcast, Chris mentioned on the broadcast, he's battling a foot injury. We need this. I don't care if it's 60% of Taysom Hill. This has been so hard to watch in New Orleans. You can't continue to play Trevor Simeon if, if you can even get a 60% healthy Taysom Hill, in my opinion. Okay, here we go. A little, little quick trivia. I know it's not there's when the Thursday pod, but how many snaps has Taysom Hill played this year? Don't look it up. Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to say 110. 147. Wow. The man has played 147 snaps for the Saints this year. What do you think is his career high for snaps in the season? In the season? Yeah. 650? 491. No way. He hasn't. And that's with the last year's postseason included. They're embezzling money. That, there's, there is laundering going on. There is, fuck, if you've seen Breaking Bad and it's happening in the New Orleans Saints locker room and yeah. it's under the salary of Taysom Hill, that's happening. Yep. That is happening in front of our eyes. All right. When do you think we see 
your man, your guy, Ian Book, maybe take don't a swing of the bat. Call my guy. That's your guy. Um, but I mean, shortly because at this rate they're going to be out of the postseason and they're falling fast. Fair. So before we get to the one o'clock slate, gonna have to say this, and I got, I've been getting shout outs on my ad reads multiple people excited when i turn on the ad read voice here working from home is more important to me now than ever optimize your home office with an next chair and many accessories to enhance your focus productivity energy and comfort once you feel the customized support of x chairs patented dynamic variable lumbar there's no going back it's all in the lmx massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for x chair with versatile comfort and extraordinary design x chair fits any space high performance Quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X chair. Now I can't wait to get back to work. And sometimes, I mean, even when I'm not working, Mike, I sit in my X chair and I just get into that mood, that feeling. The massage feeling. The massage mood. Now is, and guess, you're not even ready for this. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X chair. Why? Because now is the only time X chair goes on sale all year. That's right. Only on Black Friday and Cyber Monday weekend. Save up to $500. On X Chair, four days only. On Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, go to xchairtailgate.com now. That's X Chair, T A I L G A T E.com. X Chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $25 a month. Go to xchairtailgate.com and save $500. xchairtailgate.com. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Do you have a 30 day guarantee on comfort? No. Ask any of my ex-girlfriends. Wow, wow, fair. One o'clock slate. Let's kick it off. Steelers, Bengals. What did I do, Quinn? What did I do? I know you're not on the mic today. What did (laughs) I do? I said, I think the Steelers are going to cover whatever I fucking said. I said, I don't think the Bengals got this one. I gave you this win. I gave. I should be in the mascot uniform. I should be wearing the Bengals mascot uniform because Bengals go in and dump truck the the Pittsburgh Steelers. They win forty-one ten as four and a half point favorites. Joe Burrow. His top five in PFF grade this year. And he's doing it so casually. Turn on the All-22. He's not firing, heaving deep throws into tight windows. This guy's just hitting open receivers down the field. And maybe it does take a little bit longer than Mahomes' deep balls or Herbert's deep balls. But they're getting there and they're on target. And it's been really impressive, man. Like, he has this limitation, this obvious limitation, baby arm Joe Burrow, that he's overcoming with what he's done in Cincinnati this year. Joe Mixon also having a career year. He had 19 carries in the, in the first half. Only running back to have 19 carries in the first half since Derrick Henry in 2018, courtesy of ESPN's Bill Barnwell. Saw that tweet. He was only pressured on six dropbacks. The Bengals' offensive line is eighth this season in pressure rate allowed. Defense is fifth in EPA per play allowed. Am I crazy? I don't want to give him the kiss to death. I'm going to say I'm going to keep fading the Cincinnati Bengals all year long, all the way to a Super Bowl. But they have been proving me wrong every step of the way. Really impressive season. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, etc. The biggest takeaway to me, you didn't even mention him there, T. Higgins. Six catches, 114 yards, a touchdown, and actually that making plays. Yeah, you said making plays over dudes the way we had saw at Clemson, saw at times during his rookie year with the Bengals, and like at six four, two fifteen, thought he should have been able to do consistently. But he was he was seven of twenty three in contested situations going into this game. That had been a bane. That had not been his game this year. He had been struggling in those situations, getting him confidence to be that legit number two. Shit, when they already have a legit number two in Tyler Boyd, can go a long way because, again, Jamar Chase, when he kind of, earlier this season, when he went, Bengals offense went. When he went down, Bengals offense went down. Having some other guy to step up that Joe Burrow can rely on, I think, can go a long way because Joe Burrow's thrown a lot of picks Jamar Chase's way this year. Like, he has forced the ball to him at times when things go wrong, when he does face pressure, where the chips are on the table. And if he can trust another guy, 
that's going to be huge because, again, he's playing some elite football right now. And if T. Higgins can step up, I think this offense is going to be tough to stop, man. It has been phenomenal. It's been phenomenal this year. Steelers, on the other Burrow, hand, I want Burrow, to talk. Burrow possible MVP if he plays like this down the stretch. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. the MVP is wide open right now. Yeah, definitely. No one's really running away, especially since Kyler Murray's been hurt the last few weeks. Uh, he's in the conversation. I think Tom Brady is the favorite in odds right now. For, yeah, he leads in passing yards, leads in touchdown passes, but. It's Tom Brady at plus 350, Josh Allen at plus 450, Aaron Rodgers at plus 600. Those are the only quarterbacks that are, or only players that are plus, under plus 1,000. You have to go to plus 4,000 for Joe Burrow. Maybe that's a bet. A dollar wins 40. You love to see it. Quinn, bet it now. Bet it now if we were in a legal state and Ohio didn't suck. Mm. All right. Uh, I want to hit Steelers just for a second just to see how it feels. The Steelers have been complete dog shit this year. On both sides of the ball. 17 in EPA per play allowed. And this is the stat that's crazy. They're 25th in pressure rate. And I know T.J. Watt's been hurt, but like this Steelers defense should be a lot better than that. And offensively, I don't even need to bring it up. Big Ben's like one of the lowest-graded quarterbacks in the NFL. He is completely cooked. How do you reset this Steelers team? Because it it's in desperate need of a reset at quarterback and I think on defense. They need help on defense too. Uh, how? I mean, <laughs> get, a, get a top quarterback. Yeah. That's how you reset it. Because... Ben Rosper is the lowest grade quarterback in the NFL right now. You, I mean, there's what? Still above 500 with the lowest grade quarterback in the NFL. So, like, fair. You know, like, they, they're still getting some results. Like, they're still, you say the complete dog shit, they're not. They're still capable of winning in any given week with that defense. But you are not going to compete. And we've said this like, no one, no Steelers fan thinks they have any viable Super Bowl chances this year because of Ben Rosper. So, that's how you, that's how you fix this team. You get a real quarterback. And I mean, going a cost-controlled route, I think they should be looking at quarterback in this draft class. I know we've talked shit about this quarterback class, but, man, this is a team that needs not just a rookie, a good quarterback. They need a cheap one, too, man. They need yeah. to find ways to spend money elsewhere. Maybe another running back in the first round. It's not a, it's not a terrible idea. Get the tandem going. Yeah. Dude, what do you have? He had, like, 17 receiving yards and 14. Or 17 rushing yards, 14 receiving yards on yeah, you'd see it. eight All right, on to Bucks-Colts. This is one of the few games that I actually got right. Bucks at Colts. Bucks favored by three. They win 38-31. They did not, Jonathan Taylor did not go over 100 yards. He only had 83 yards, and uh, a lot of them came after contact. He only averaged, he only averaged 1.5 yards before contact per attempt. Vita Vale lost a tooth in holding Jonathan Taylor yeah. to under 100, under 100 rush yards. Another one of the highest-graded players in this game was Rob Gronkowski. And you go back and watch that film. I know he graded well. Dude looks geriatric as hell. There's no way Robbie G's got another year. He's battling injuries. He's getting open like in space just on zone alone. He's not yeah. creating a ton of separation against man. I think this might be Robbie G's last year. I'm not saying watch, watch. Gained some yards. He graded well, but whatever. But like he graded well, did not look all that good. Top of Brady, though, is going to continue to roll as long as the offensive line is playing as well as it is. Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs both allowed fewer than two pressures between the two of them. That is an impressive week for, uh, for Tampa Bay. Yeah, and Tampa Bay kind of took a play out of the Colts playbook. They were the ones getting some DPIs in this game. Um there's going to be a lot made of, you're probably going to hear the stat, Colts threw 26 straight passes in this game. That's a big reason why Jonathan Taylor doesn't go over 100 yards, is they weren't feeding him like they were in weeks past. But like, go back and look at those drives. First one, they scored a touchdown on it, on the first one. That was like before the end of the first half. Start of the second half, in scoring range, in, I believe it was field goal range, like just outside the 20, Sack fumble on Carson Wentz. Like they, they were moving the ball on those 26 straight passes. I, I'm not sure that is why they lost the game. Shit, they gave up 38 points in this one. That never helps. Um, and, and of those 26 straight passes, four of them were RPOs that Wentz himself pulled, and two of them ended up going first down. So 
it's difficult for me to criticize, and you're going to hear the play calling criticized a lot. It's difficult for me to do that when you score 31 points. And Bucks were without the top two corners. Jamel Dean went down early in this game. They were without Carlton Davis already. And Sharma for bunting is only in his second week back from injury. Like, I, I don't blame them too much for what they did. It was more the defenses not being able to get stops in this one. Do you f- still feel the Colts can't or, you know, compare the Colts to the Titans? Or maybe we should just wait till we get to the Titans game. Because right now, Titans have the lead. Let's get Man, to the Titans game. They're falling apart. With right. Titans. They're Panthers just, uh, or Dolphins? Yeah. Another game I got completely wrong. Yeah. Tua Tungvaloa, <laughs> since week six, leads the NFL in EPA and CPOE which is a composite of EPA per play and completion percentage above ex- over expectation. He has not been pushing the ball downfield a ton. So a lot of that is because he's you know, I mean, hitting a lot of the like New England's, honestly. Huh? The offense looks a lot like New England. Yeah, it, it like, does. Yeah. But guess what? Guess with what? Like Here's R- a little bit of a difference. A bigger like, RPO focus. A little bit of a difference is the offense flying his cheeks. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that, if you that put is. Tua in that same offense with New England and you had that offensive line that's a top three unit in the NFL, I think you'd be seeing Tua playing a lot better than he has and maybe yes. doesn't even get hurt in this game. But like... Tua Tungvaloa is exceeding expectations in a very limited conservative offense. And Jalen Waddle is I was turning say, it on. But New England doesn't have a Jalen Waddle. New England doesn't. And he looked, I mean, special. He looked like the guy that we were saying, no shit, this guy is a, the closest thing Tyreek Hill to come out. He's a monster, straight up. Electric with the ball in his hands. And even what I was surprised, his touchdown in this game was kind of just like a hitch in the red zone where he takes a hit, catches it through contact. I mean, he's only 182 pounds and can make plays – with guys hanging on him, that's nice to see as well. Uh, I like that throw from Tua as well on that one. So in this game, Tua, from a clean pocket, 23 at 25 for 206 yards with a touchdown. That is efficient. I mean, he's very accurate with the football. We've been saying that ever since he was kind of getting shit on in some of the losses early on. It's like this is there's only so much you can do behind the worst offensive line in the NFL. And even in this game, like he still had some plays where there was just nothing there. And still getting the ball out of his hand, still getting to his checkdowns and whatnot. So, very impressed with what I saw from him in this game. Even if the fumble drop snap, the fumble not, was horrendous. But that we're was not great. Brian Burns turning it on. Yeah. Um, Again, there's only so much. You, if you, it only can be under pressure quickly, so many plays before disaster will strike. I don't care who you are. Are the Panthers? You know, I talked about the Steelers who need a complete reset. Are the Panthers another team that needs just a complete reset? All right. Do, are, should we be worried about Matt Rule at this point? Like, what? I don't know. I know they that rule jumping to college. Would I be worried about that? Going that, back. that, that could happen. That, I mean, there's a lot of openings right Saying now. I'm, a lot of openings. Temple just opened up. No, he's not going to go back to Temple. But I do think that. Well, I mean, definitely worried about that rule and that team because you went all in, not all in, but went very much in on a quarterback who sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, like that is why you're worried. But was that rules call? I don't know if it was rules call or not, but I'm saying like you're worried for him as a coach because he's not going to win a lot of games because you went all on a quarterback that sucks and you don't have any. And it's going to be difficult for you to then find the guy who doesn't. And it's obviously not Cam Newton. I mean, that was a just a brutal all-around performance. Get Benson in this game. One of the worst offense performances I've seen all season long. So I don't know what to do. I, I do not know. If I were the guy, I'd be worried about leaving and who probably should leave and might Joe Brady be the like the favorite for the LSU jobs. Joe Brady, yeah. Oh my God, Joe Brady at LSU. Do you think Joe if Brady I goes back him, to the college I, ranks? I think Joe Brady could get an NFL head coaching job at this rate. Maybe not. I mean, he's been hamstrung with some shitty quarterback play. Didn't Cam Newton put together like the worst yep. completion percentage we've seen in a single game by a quarterback ever? Maybe how much of that is Brady? How much of that is Newton? We'll see. We will see. Before we get the Titans, Pats. 
I got two things. One, we were recording this podcast around 2 or 3 o'clock. As I was screaming for Taysom Hill to start, Ian Rapport reports Taysom Hill will start this week against the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say. Brady Quinn said needed to get Ian Book in there. Oh, wow. Brady Quinn said that. Which, wait, did he, what school did he go to? No, no, no. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I'll never forget the Brady Quinn, man. We got to get Brady Quinn back on the pod, maybe in the summer. He, doesn't, he hates pods. He's podverse. Oh, that's right. He doesn't like podcasts because he's yeah. clinging to radio, which is oh, yeah. still obviously chef's kiss. Um, before we get to Titans Pats, I'm also going to bring up another sponsor. The, the sponsor that is DraftKings. Football fans, I'm sure you love action-packed, high-scoring NFL games. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL official, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team that will score will win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF at $1 on any NFL team to score and win $100 in free bets instantly. If they score, you score with promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We were in Michigan, me and Dave, producer Dave, and they have betting legal Mobile sports betting legalized. Mm-hmm. I took a handful of Aiden Hutchinson for Heisman, handful of Aiden Hutchinson number one overall, but I also bet an emotional hedge on Ohio State money line. Here's my thought. I'm going to put $100 on Ohio State money line. Boosted because DraftKings was running some boosted shit. Mm-hmm. If they win, I get an extra like 60 bucks for beers with the fellas. If they lose, I just paid $100 to be in the most electric town to be in for an, a Michigan upset, which was obviously well worth every single penny. On to Titans Pass. Patriots are favored by six and a half. Another game that we feel like we both got right here. This Patriots team is a juggernaut. If you don't think so, wake up. It is absolutely on fire right now. I tweeted out today, they've scored on 50% of their drives this season. Touchdown or field goal. And I know the red zone percentage isn't great. But they've scored on 50% of their drives, which is an NFL high. They've also allowed scores on just 27% of drives. They've allowed scores on just 27% of drives, which is an NFL high. The defense ranks top five in EPA per play. The offense ranks top five in EPA per play. This has been a phenomenal offense, and they're doing it with explosive plays. They're second in explosive pass rate behind the Las Vegas Raiders, who are obviously fading fast after the Henry Ruggs release. And they also only have nine drops all season long, which is the top three rate in the NFL. The Patriots are buzzing, and if you're not buying them right now, you are fading the wrong team. One of the more consistent, complete teams in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, no debate there. Um, this was just another speed bump, honestly, for them, is what it looked like. And, and Mac Jones didn't play well. It's a crazy thing. Um, uh, McDaniels called a heck of a game offensively, and it's, this offensive line is just a dominant force at this point. But the bigger takeaway for me was, my God, the Titans at this point are so goddamn depleted. The, the people that they're sending out there, they're sending out multiple guys who – I was watching the game Sunday here at the office. I'd see a name on the back of a jersey. I'm like, who's that? Like, I, legitimately, guys, I do not know are in the NFL. And like, I obviously pride myself on like draft analysis and like knowing all these guys coming out. But I had not heard of Kevin Strong Jr. Do you know what position he plays? A uh, linebacker, defensive end, C- Cody Hollister. Oh, I know Cody Hollister, wide receiver. <laughs> played 48 snaps. You free agent from 2017 coming to Arkansas. Like the, these guys, Kyle Pecco, these guys are playing the most snaps they've ever played in a single game 
this past week for the Titans. Like they're they're, banged up. They they're banged are up. banged up, but like banged up to a degree that is pretty brutal to see. Like until they get healthy, this the the Colts are the best team in the AFC South right now. I mean, they just are. The Titans are hurting. And, and they got AJ Brown. I mean, who, I mean, this is not a team. This is yeah. this is a team that is getting battered by injuries. And you look at a lot of these teams that were like previously top powers in the AFC: Tennessee, Cleveland. I think are two that come to mind. They just aren't healthy. Baker's not healthy. Richard Higgins didn't play in that game. You know, Harrison Bryant played seven snaps before getting hurt. Jack Conklin gets hurt early in that game with you know Tarsus Patella. He's out for the season. Like the teams that are fading fast are these ones that are getting absolutely battered by injuries. Eagles at Giants. This game was hard to watch. I don't know what the Eagles have to do to like reset, but I don't think I, I know they're still in the re, re, you know, way to playoffs. I'm not saying they have to reset. What are they doing? But I don't think you can leave this season with three first round picks and not take a quarterback. At least compete. At least compete. Bring in a Matt Crowell. Bring in a Malik Willis. Bring in you know, one of these guys that you feel can Sam Howell that can come in and compete with Jalen Hurts. Worst case is you know the quarterback you draft is horrendous. Now don't draft a quarterback you think is going to be horrendous. Obviously, yeah. If you like a quarterback in one of those spots, though, I think you have to swing that bat. Yeah, I mean we talk about this fucking every week now, and I'm not going to like one game, one disaster game. Everyone has those. I don't care if you're Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Like that's not to me the most worrisome part. The worrisome part is that we haven't seen strings of elite play from Hertz as a passer. Now as a runner, I mean this game was bad for the run game, mattering crowd. They they went for 208 yards on 31 carries. The Eagles didn't score seven points. Like the, the run game was a complete non-factor in the end result because their passing offense was so bad. But everyone's going to have the duds like this where you just can't figure it out. Something's not right. Whatever where the breaks don't go your way. And after, like, the first pick was not his fault, throwing to Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins ran a dog shit route and just got dog, got beat up by uh, Garrett Bradbury. Dog shit route and got It just was. It was. Go back and watch. He was not on Jalen Hurts. Everyone, Every quarterback is going to make that throw, thinking Quez can actually get out of his break. Didn't. Throws the pick. Um, and then kind of just was quicksand from there. But it's more that we haven't seen a stretch of elite play as a passer from him. We've seen maybe... A game, but he's really had one. He's had one passing grade over eighty in his entire career. I think that's the more concerning part. Like if you saw a guy who was putting it on, lighting up scoreboard when it was him and all him passing, cool for, for like a couple game stretch, three game stretch, whatever. Then you could buy in. But like the recent stretch where they were winning games, he didn't go over two hundred yards. It was it was a sort of Case Keenum esque run where it's like you're winning games. But it's because everything around is kind of going real nice, and everything's real. The game. I mean, the real, offensive line's been phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. The run like, game is. It's all kind of just like no a nice teams. situation. You're kind of just managing that situation well, and that's fine. But you got at some point set your sights higher than that. And again, you have the rest of the season to decide this. But I think that's the bigger issue to me. It's not this one bad game. I, I also don't think, and everyone's going to say it. Everyone's going to say it. I also don't think if you take a quarterback with one of three first-round picks, you are not, quote-unquote, giving up on Jalen Hurts. You're yeah. not. You're not giving up on Jalen Hurts. What you're doing is giving your team more lottery shots. Yeah. That's not a thing. Lottery tickets to try and go get the quarterback. And if you draft Sam Howell, whoever, Malik Willis, and Jalen Hurts beats him out, and you guys are winning football games, phenomenal. 
If you draft Sam Howell and Jalen Hurts plays like shit, you can put another quarterback in to swing a different bat. It puts you in so much of a better situation to, you know, take this team forward moving forward, especially because cost-controlled rookie quarterbacks, the most expensive position in the NFL, are so worth it. It's so worth it if you can find one on the right yes, side. Yes, I, I always go back to this. And it's maybe not the best example in the world. But Troy Ackerman was the number one overall pick to the Dallas Cowboys in 1988. It was 89. Whatever. They drafted Steve Walsh in the first round of the supplemental draft next year. It's like, it doesn't, and then they end up obviously rolling through the 90s and winning multiple Super Bowls. It doesn't, it's not, uh, if the guy is that good, the guy is that good, cream or wise. And, I, yeah. and especially with Jalen Hurts and his personality, he is not a guy I'd worry about shying away from competition mm-hmm. at any point in time. So, And this, the other thing too I'll say is that you're not going to go into this draft class and take the consensus 80th ranked player because he's a quarterback and try and make him to something great. You're going to take a quarterback that will be a consensus top 20 player, top 25 player that other teams will value if you come out of the preseason and Hurts is a star and Hurts is blowing it up. Or the other way around. If you like Hurts so much, but Sam Howell comes in and dominates, Hurts has value too if you feel he has value as well. I I just don't think you can... Sam Darnold was traded for a second round pick after being complete dog shit. Yeah. I, I, I do think that your quarterbacks, even if they are competing in tandem with Jalen Hurts, whoever you pick, will have value. You're not giving up on anyone if you do make that decision. Jets at Texans. Texans, three-and-a-half-point dogs at home. I believed in Terod. I believed. It was one of the few dogs I took. The Jets win 21-14. I want to talk more about this Jets team as a whole, though. I, they went over the Texans great. Woohoo! Throw a party. Hang a banner. Zach Wilson has looked horrendous this year. It, are you where are you at on the panic button? He has the lowest percentage of catchable throws this season. Yeah, it's been bad. This game was lower than fifty percent. Yeah, this game was really more of the same, and it was. It's like just throw it. There's no. There's no confidence. There's, there's no confidence whatsoever. It's a vastly different feel to the guy we saw at BYU, where he was just lay, ready to let it rip at a moment's notice. Was throwing, you know from as much as he could do off-platform stuff, he was throwing from like a good base when he was in the pocket. I'd say like about a third of his throws yesterday are from the pocket, but he's not setting his feet, not stepping into them. Yeah, And it's just, he's got to let it rip. I, I mean, I, the third play of the game, there's third drop pick of the game, the third and four from the goal line. Like that one, he's got Elijah Moore kind of like stumbles out of the break on a whip route, but you got to go. It's got to get out. Like it's a two man concept. It's got to just get out on the goal line. You're not always going to make plays on your own. And, and I think that's the biggest thing that we said Mike White did better than him. That he needs to learn from and needs to add to his game and add to his game quickly because he's getting himself killed. That's why he's getting hurt. It's because he's not letting it rip. On to, or do you want to talk a little Texans? No. <laughs> 4 Fal- p.m. Falcons Jags. 4 p.m. Or Falcons Jags. I skip Falcons Jags. We don't really have to talk too much Falcons. No, Jags I, I need to talk about <laughs> Falcons Jags. What in the world do the ja- does Urban Meyer go back to college? I mean, there's enough jobs out there to where he could yeah. swing a nice bat and go back because this is this has been horrendous. He has taken a golden ticket. Willie Wonka's jealous. Yeah. Fucking Oompa Loompas are jealous of this golden ticket that is Trevor Lawrence, and he's taken him. And every single week. 
know, top top people that you follow on Twitter, Nate Tice, Stephen Ruiz, Seth Galina, yourself, are always like, man, Trevor Lawrence, just in the worst situation you can. This week he said we are still having problems receivers running the wrong routes yeah. and wrong depths. He is in over his fucking head. He's in over his head. The chick he was feeling up at the bar has a better chance at coaching this team. She's got more integrity. She's got more pull. This has been a disaster. It's been nothing short of a disaster for Jacksonville. You've taken, like I said, a golden ticket and have, have done nothing to even show growth. It hasn't even been improving. It has been stagnant, if not getting worse. I can't imagine that locker room feels that much differently. Yeah, I think it's the biggest thing. It's just the lack of growth. Yeah, like the creativity has not moved week on week. It's the same thing every week. And I tweeted out, I'm like, so the stat line was 23 of 42, 228 yards, touchdown to pick. That feels like every single stat line he, he has. There's, there's just no differentiator week to week in this offense. And, yeah, they've had injuries at wide receiver. You're trying to shoehorn guys who maybe weren't even on this roster in, at the beginning of the season to now get them up to speed in this offense. And it's difficult to throw too much on their plates and be too creative, obviously. But – when it ain't working and you keep doing it, was that that's the definition of insanity or something like that? Yeah, is the yeah, quote? yeah. That that's the Jaguars' offense right now. It's the same shit we saw from week one, and they're not the the ingenuity is lacking. Man, poor. I'm not trying to. Do, I wasn't trying to go take down a dog there in Urban Meyer, but something has to be said. Something has to be said. This has been and you said it a disgrace. <laughs> All right, 4 p.m. slate. Chargers Broncos. Yeah, Broncos three point dogs. This is another favorite I liked. I liked Herbo. I liked Herbo. Playing well. Top five graded pass. Did not look good this week. 19 pressure dropbacks against the Broncos. Most he's seen in a single game this year. And he had a sub 30.0 PFF grade under pressure. Worst he's had this season. Yeah. He looked. Okay, I'll just stop right there. Go ahead. Interrupt you. Go ahead. That was the most rattled I saw from him all season long. Just even when the pockets were fine, he was rattled. Like he was antsy. Trying to get out of them. I don't know what it was. Herbo. I hate that nickname, actually. I didn't, I didn't mean to. Herbert. I don't know why I said it. Sherbert. Some people call him Sherbert. Justin. We're on a first name basis. Justin was just antsy in the pockets and was kind of wanted the ball out of his hands, had far more throws that were just not, uh, not clean than I saw from him, like I said, at any point this season. So hats off to the Broncos. You know, no Von Miller and still being able to affect quarterbacks like the way they did in this game. Was impressive. And the pick six, not his fault. Office of Shearer's hands, whatever. But the throw to Sertan in the end zone, brutal. One of the wor- Probably the worst pick he's thrown all season, or one of at least. That thing was just no business. I don't know what it was. It was about 10 yards under thrown. I wanted to say that you pressure Herbert as much as you did in this game. I mean, he's not going to. This was a 19 pressure dropbacks in this one. He could not overcome that, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of, those, a lot of the, the mistakes he had in this game came on those pressure dropbacks. The other piece of this has Vic Fangio, who is on a seat as hot as lava. They're making a movie about it. Does he stay in Denver after this point? I mean, he has rallied the troops, man. When Teddy Bridgewater's been healthy, he's been able to kind of rally the troops. His defense has played well. Sertan is playing well. Is this enough to keep Fangio involved, or are they going to completely reset that sideline? It's tough. I mean, there's going to be a lot of decisions. I mean, they're above 500 right now. Uh, They might make the playoffs right now. So I I could... I, I do not think they should fire Vic Fangio. I think, again, he's still one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. But your defense only gets so far in today's mm-hmm. NFL. You need the offensive side of the ball, and obviously that's been where the issues are. It goes hand-in-hand with the fact they haven't had a quarterback, so I think that's where you're going to address before 
I would go looking for a new head coach, in my opinion. I also want to give a shout-out for Ronald Darby in this game. Electric day. One of three targets, eight yards. Big fourth down pass rig against Keenan Allen. That was some of the best corner play I saw all season. Let's jump to Rams and Packers. But before we do so, proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast is Western Southern. Whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear about Chris's old playing days? Behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask both about either or both, and every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a created, no, catered party for February's big game. Check out Chris Collins with podcasts and Western Southern's Instagram for answers of the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that's westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Rams and Packers. Packers, I think, closed as like one-point dogs or two-point dogs. They ended up winning this game big. Packers win 36-28 over the Los Angeles Rams. Devonta Adams, exceptional. Aaron Rodgers played exceptional. This was a comfortable, comfortable win. Adrian Amos had that big fourth down stop. That was special. Darnell Savage played well in this game. This Green Bay Packers team, I view very similar to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think both of these teams right now, you know, they've hit some road bumps. People were doubting them here and there. You got COVID toe happening, throw rogue and all that shit. These are the last two teams on either conference you want to see in the postseason. Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes give you a chance every single week, and you're starting to see these defenses improve now. You see the Packers being up there, Chiefs turning a little bit of a corner of late. This Packers team is a juggernaut, and it's coming down the pike in a really, really nice place right now. I said best team in the NFC. Wow. Remember this. You remember this. Um, and they're not even at full strength, man. They still got guys coming back. Uh, this, to me, though, was Aaron Rodgers' best game he's played all season from start to finish because it was not good. It, they, everyone was crediting the offensive line afterwards. Like, you go back and watch. The offensive line held up probably better than expected, but it's also because Aaron Rodgers was making seeds under pressure. His pocket movement was exceptional. Here are the pass blocking grades for his offensive line in this game. Yosh Nyman, 52.7. John Runyon, 24.6. Luke Patrick, 67.1. Royce Newman, 30.0. Billy Turner, 63.3. It was bad. They were getting crushed up front for the vast majority of this game. But Aaron Rodgers, 90.1 grade under pressure. He had four big-time throws this, in this game and probably could have had another. The Cobb seam was one of the best throws I've seen all season, the one that just got over the linebacker in between the safety and the corner. That was beautiful. Devontae slot fade was in, in rhythm like he was dealing past game and a half if he plays like second half of the vikings game how he did in this game no one is beating this package team that that is like if he plays obviously that's a high bar to continue but when he plays like that you just can't you're not going to beat this package team because he is like that is unstoppable football what the way he was playing there in that game now again not going to no one does but that is uh it's a the rams kind of ran to a buzz so i don't think anything any sky is falling for the los angeles rams you're, you're, you're not buying the, the Stafford is playing as well as Jared Goff did or that Jared <laughs> Stafford stinks now or what? I, he is the same guy. He's the same guy. He's inconsistent. His accuracy can suffer at times. He will make some bonehead decisions, and he'll get banged up because he's always been banged up. And, again, he's had a bad back for forever. And that over the course of a 16-, 17-game season, you're going to take some shots that your back hurts afterwards, and you're not going to be the same guy when that's the case, a la Carson Wentz. You know, 
when he did it, when he himself had his back injury. So that is a bit of an issue, but I mean, this defense is still very good. I, I think that defense goes up against, you know, run of the mill quarterback, corner quarterback, excuse me, with the way they played in this game, and they would have dominated. It was just they ran to a bustle. Vikings at Niners. Wait, last thing I was going to mention there. Did you watch Aaron Donald's tape back in that game? He had the notable choke, the choke. Hold, which was rough, but yeah. he also physically abused the Green Bay Packers offensive line. That yeah, was that's what I was saying. He will like the only reason he didn't show up more is because Aaron Rodgers getting the ball out of his hands when it, when he was going to get hit by Aaron Donald, and that was completed, and so they didn't talk about it. Vikings at Niners. A few more games here before we get to the the, the fun parts of this pod. Um, Niners win. 34-26. I think I like the Vikings in this one. I just can't fucking buy a bucket at this point. I expected more from Kirk Cousins. This was one of the worst graded games we've yes, seen from him this year. Yes. He was awful against the San Francisco 49ers. And the 49ers weren't even like getting all that much pressure. Like It wasn't a phenomenal performance from this 49ers defense. It was just, honestly, Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuel and yeah. Elijah, Elijah Mitchell in this offensive line continue to operate the offense to a point where they're having a ton of efficient success in San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo is not big-time throw after big-time throw, 90-plus graded games. He is keeping the offense on schedule and getting the ball to playmakers. Elijah Mitchell, I think, had, what, 33 touches in this game. Debo Samuel getting a ton of volume as well. Brent Ayuk opened on a couple of big plays. Shanahan's been quietly in his bag lately. In San Francisco, I won't call a sleeping giant, but people need to wake up when they play San Francisco. San Francisco is, is their defense a still, Yeah, their defense still is an issue. Yeah, like, yeah. Their defense... They they got a bad Kirk Cousins game in this one, but like their defense has been why they their defense has just struggled so far this year. They just don't have the horses coming through the door, and that's secondary. But I will say this running game is tough. This running game is tough, man. Like they they have the offensive line, they have an Elijah Mitchell guy who's got legit speed and some tackle breaking ability, and the way they've incorporated Debo Samuel is scary. Like he is a big play machine. Um. Anytime he touches the ball. And I think he had that injury in this game, but I think he was fine afterwards. But people need to talk more about Trent Williams and the job he's doing this year. He has a 99.1 run blocking grade now on the season. I have not seen in my tenure as a PFF grader since 2013. Now I don't grade anymore, but I've seen a lot of tackle play over that time. I've not seen anything like Trent Williams what he's doing this year. He has 13 big-time blocks. That's the highest grade of blocks that we give. Jordan Mailata is second with 10. Isaiah Wynn is third with five among all tackles in the NFL. Those guys are in a tier of their own, and Trent Williams is way out there on his own, and he's missed like a game already this season. So Trent Williams, that guy running his way is going to be a successful play nine times out of ten. I mean, they are that running game is just going to be tough, and again, to beat this team, you're just going to score and I will say, though, it is a little worrisome that the 49ers, like, they have to sustain drives. You know, they they are 13, 14 plays to score every single time, and I think that can be inconsistent if they do run into a good run defense. And again, the Vikings in this one, a lot of backups along the defensive line. That was the biggest mismatch in this game. Once they do run in someone who can stop the run, because the run game, if you just commit some more resources to it, you can shut down even the best Usually at the NFL level, you can shut down even the best run games in the NFL. I still remains to be seen. Can they get explosive plays through the air consistently? Ravens 
Browns at Ravens. This was a hard game to watch, man. Anyone, you know, you were on this podcast when they were healthy, man. I thought Cleveland Browns were the best in the AFC, and they have just fallen off. Baker's fallen off. With Baker. OBJ has gotten traded. They're injured across the board, defensively and offensively, taking on injuries. This is a rough, rough scene. And Lamar Jackson threw four picks in this game. Yeah. Four picks in this game, and the Browns still only put up 10 points. The offense is the issue. Jack Conklin now out for the rest of the season. They were in a very similar tier for me as the, as the Titans. They were just falling. They're falling due to injury. Quarterback is hurt. Tannehill doesn't even have that, but he has every supporting cast, every weapon hurt there. I, I, I am fading the Browns. I don't know what they do. I think whatever – I don't know what they do, but you don't pay Baker yet. I'm not saying you trade him or you cut him or whatever, but you don't pay him yet. You don't pay him yet. You wait. You play the, the waiting game. If you want to give him the tag, you give him the tag. You can try and build around a healthy Baker Mayfield. But, man, nothing has shown – I know he's hurt. Nothing has been shown um, – that he should be the guy and you should dump you know, a complete Brinks truck on him. This will be, though, and you've talked about this in the I mean, last pot. Give me a second. Give me a second. You said this on the last pot. He's hurt. Yeah. And that's obvious in every match you can look at. 21% of his passes from a clean pocket this year have been inaccurate. It's the most we've ever seen from him. Most yeah. we've ever seen from him. Uh, I think you got you got you got to play the waiting game with Baker on this one. Well, uh, what I was going to say was no one's going to fucking announce an extension week 12 right now with yeah, the way he's yeah. playing. But not even, <laughs> not know, even this like, offseason. I'm just saying, okay, but I'm saying like if, if it came out tomorrow that Baker Mayfield got $35 million a year, people would shit their pants. You know, like it's not happening right now. They're not even in discussion right now. So like that conversation, we got time for that one. To me, conversation right now is uh, are the Browns dead like what's their best route going forward and again I think it is to sit Baker Mayfield until he's hurt because he's going to keep getting hurt with his play style one and with the injuries he has and two he's not playing good football right now so I think you sit him and I've said that for a couple weeks now you have to I would sit him because the end of that first half looked like UConn UMass I mean it turned into the Cumble uh the what ball UConn UMass you know oh, Cumble? Yeah, Cumble yeah uh Turning the cumble for a minute there with like pick, fumble, pick, pick. It was brutal to watch. But the Browns are still a good team. I mean, the defense still did their job on this one. Jeremiah Wus Cormo with him back, like he they shut down a lot of what the Ravens like to do. He had nine stops in this game. So he was that's lying. Me. I know that guy is baller. And straight up from day one, he looks like one of the better linebackers in the NFL, and there's no slowing down after he came back from injury. So to me the biggest the bigger worry is that the Ravens are maybe, I mean, are maybe, they are a first-place team in the AFC right now. They are 8-3. and three. That is the best record in the AFC. But they do not look like the best team in the AFC right now. That, to me, is the bigger issue. Is like, what do the Ravens do? Because Lamar Jackson's passing grades over the last, since week five right now, 61.5, 60.3, 61.0, 51.2, 35.3. And we said, oh, Rashad Bateman's coming back. He's going to fix this. It hasn't fixed it. And you can only play that on borrowed time with no passing offense, with an electric defense, how they've played of late for so long before you get to the playoffs and someone starts lighting up that D and you got to go blow for blow. So I do wonder how to write this ship for Baltimore because that to me is a bigger issue because this team could, has as good a chance as shit anyone right now of getting that number one seed, which is massive. But Lamar Jackson, that passing offense has turned around. Do you want to talk Seahawks football nope. team at you all? you know I never want to talk to my NFL football game. Uh, it's not even, that, that game sounds awful. I don't even, I'm not even sure I want to watch it. I, I don't, will, I don't, but I'm not sure I, I want to. I don't know if I will. I might, I might not. All right, we got we a jam-packed fun to read. The fun to read segment this week is absolutely absurd. We have a ton of fun to reads. It has been a treat, a, a festival, a holiday yeah. season. I'm going to kick it off. It feels like some of these fun to reads were like months ago with all that happened over the weekend. Yeah. But yeah. Soonerscoop.com. 
What the hell is that? Like, I know it's a site. The oh, dominant you're starting source. Off with, you're starting off with the good ones. The, All right. These are the. Uh, or do you want me to start up the opposite start direction? The, go to the opposite direction. Okay. Because this is in, in chronological order here. This is from Matt Hayes CFB. Matt Hayes is a CFB guy, I guess. Mizzou coach, Coach Drinkwitz, my guy, on the radio said, explaining the irony of beating Gators and Mullen after last year's near brawl. My f- this is Shane Beamer quote. My father was a farmer, and there's an old saying: "You reap what you sow." If you sow kindness, you reap kindness. If you sow jackass, you reap jackass. That is incredible. Fantastic. That yep. was incredible. Beamer is rumored to be in the running for this Oklahoma job. That Wait, would be that was fucking- a Beamer quote. Yeah, that was Beamer. That oh was- no, it was Drinkwitz. Sorry, Drinkwitz. Drinkwitz. That was Dr- Drinkwitz is not in the room for Oklahoma, but he is one of my favorite coach interviews I've done this year. That guy threw a jab at Herm Edwards live on our show. Yeah. He took that interview at 10.45 at night. And I was like, man, dude, thanks on a Tuesday. Yeah. Dude, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you jumping on. And he's like, buddy, it's talking season. I was like, oh, my God. The Coach Drinkwitz is going to be a legend one day. I don't know if it's going to be a commentator, whatever. It's going to be, oh, no. Sam Monson's next on the list here. Yeah. PFF underscore Sam. PFF's very own. Have we normalized not suffering through Turkey yet? PFF George. He tags PFF George. Thanksgiving rib roast. It was coming. We said we it. We knew it was coming. I said on this show, he was going to say it. We said it. We said and he it. did. He did. He knew, we knew we were going to do it. Oh, wow. I also have, I, I didn't put him in the stock, but I have. That rib roast did look pretty fire, though. I have a couple good ones here because we said it was going to happen. And this one was from Chris Biderman. Not exactly sure who he is. His check mark, though. Bears probably had a kneecap or two oh. bitten off, though. He went there. And then another one here from Mike Randall, Randall Rand, I believe he's a fantasy analyst. Understanding clock management greater than sign kneecap biting. There were so many kneecap biting jokes on Thanksgiving. It was a disaster. We set, we called it. We knew it. This Not as Tom, many as I thought, though. This is from Tom McShay, friend Thank of the God. show. A lot can happen in, next, in the next week. But if it comes down to OSU and Cincinnati for the number four spot in the CFB, when did he tweet this? Ohio State is simply better. He tweeted this on Saturday after yeah, they after lost? After Ohio State lost. Yeah. He got wait, 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 roasted. Wait. Tom McShay, after Ohio State loses, yeah. their last game of the season until their bowl, yeah. a lot can happen next week. But if it comes down but to not OSU, Ohio State winning another game. <laughs> but if it comes down to OSU and Cincinnati for the number four spot in the CFP, Ohio State is simply better. Two losses might keep them out, but I want the best four teams. He hashtag the best four teams. Yeah. Love Todd, friend of the show. That take is indefensible. That is ridiculous. You can't do that. I mean, even if Cincinnati <laughs> even if Cincinnati loses, right, to Houston, yeah. you're not gonna put Ohio you're gonna put one of the Oklahoma State yeah. in there, Notre Dame in there. Like, the best put- part is he just says, is simply better. As we just know. They were better than they got two good teams they played this year in Oregon and Michigan. Lost both, but they're simply better. That's just absurd. From multiple people, this is from Hayden Grove. Cream Hunt's dad is on Facebook eviscerating the Browns offense. <laughs> 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 Cream Hunt Sr. Cream Hunt Sr. I didn't see this shit. Cream Hunt's dad's on Facebook. Cream Hunt Sr. on Facebook blowing it up. Now I'm getting people on my Facebook saying I'm being like OBJ daddy. I'm not stating I'm not stating facts on football and what we see. He's limping. He's scared to throw the ball. And then they know he's hurt. They go in to keep listening. But if people don't like what I'm saying, unfriend me. I'm not jeopardizing nothing. I got a right to speak. I ain't posting no videos. Have a good day. No Browns. Hopefully. Go Browns, hopefully, is fucking the best sign-off I've ever seen in my life. I think Freddie Kitchen signed off his last coaching address. Go Browns, hopefully. That oh, is dude. incredible. Cream Hunt Sr. Cream Hunt Sr. Providing life to the tailgate show. This is from Clark Jolly. Who is Clark Jolly? The, I love that the Browns Republican have turned candidate. into like the Browns have turned into like a uh, Little League team. It's, it's like so the dads good. are just like furious. It's incredible. 
Kareem Hunt's dad. This one OBJ's got me. dad. This one, okay, the next two tweets are from Down Bad Sooners fans. I'm and the so content excited. from Down Bad Sooners fans was out of this world over the course of the weekend. Go. I will say this before we get into this. He, people who want to call him a traitor, he is kind of a traitor. Yeah, he's a traitor. That's wild. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. That was whack. That was a whack ending after you know being so successful in Oklahoma. That was whack. This is from Clark Jolly, who is a Republican candidate for Oklahoma State Treasurer. He says, for those upset that Lincoln Riley is moving to SC, be comforted that he will pay $58,000 in income taxes plus 12.3% amount over 599000 for the privilege of living in California. That's compared to 255 plus 5% cover. Over twelve, twelve two in Norman. This guy did the math on how much he was getting an increase in taxes. I don't blame him. He's the treasurer and a Republican candidate. But it's objectively hilarious for him to try to roast Lincoln Riley for probably for getting a increase. massive bag from SC. <laughs> I'll tell you this the right taxes now. Are be more. I'll tell you this right now. I live in the Midwest. I'm from Cali. That looks like a fifty-seven thousand dollar difference worth every fucking penny. The the weather in the Midwest stinks. They're going to pay him for that extra tax. He might get that on the private jet. They might slide that check over on the private jet. Are you kidding me? It's only that's the funny thing. It's only like a fifty-seven thousand dollars difference. Uh, no, it was over fifty-seven thousand x percent. So oh, it's probably okay. it's probably going to be a, a big chunk of change difference, but not big enough to matter. Matter. All right, this is from SoonerScoop.com. SoonerScoop looks like a site for the Sooners. Yes. Uh, blindsided. They quote tweeting Bruce Feldman, who announced the news. Blindsided. Did not see this coming. Lincoln Riley is no longer OU's head coach. Players have been called into a meeting to be informed. Can a bowl game even happen now? This is a massive blow to the program and university. Can a bowl game even happen now? That makes As no if sense. no coach has ever left their team prior to a bowl game. That one was incredible. Can a bowl game even happen now? Being so down bad that you asked if a bowl game can still happen. I don't know. I don't know. I will say this. I will fade Oklahoma in the bowl game. Unless the spread's just ridiculous. Yeah. If the spread's ridiculous, who knows? All right. Should I mean, no, f- more, uh, no more Spencer Rattler. <laughs> no more Spencer Rattler. Well, yeah, that's true. that's true. We got some good fun to watch. Fun to watch. Fun to watch. Here we go. We're, the first one was Skip Bayless on after the Cowboys lost, which Skip Bayless after Cowboys lost. Quinn, you have this video prepped, right? Can we please show this video? Skip Bayless after the Cowboys lose. Can you please air this video? <laughs> I think I watched that video over a hundred times on Thursday. When I first found it's good it, ASMR if you're listening to the podcast. When I first found it, I was legitimately floored because I kept on waiting for him to say something. Right? Yeah. It's a it's a 23 second video of him like whimpering. Yeah. I I honestly it, it feel makes bad segment. for how viral that went. It was the most absurd thing I've ever seen. It makes the segment because it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. All right, and that was why. But my lord, skip, seek help, brother. That's that was too far. This is from Jim Nagy. Senior Director of the Senior Bowl, Executive Director of the Senior Bowl, friend of the show, February 1 through 5 in Mobile, shaping up to be one of the best QB evaluation weeks in years. He's not wrong. Saw him play twice this fall. And Malik yeah. Wallace, Malik Willis is what? Fun to watch in person. Mm. Fun to watch in person. Fun to watch in person. I think he's fun to watch regardless. But Malik Willis going to the Senior Bowl, and he will be fun to watch. Can't wait to see it. In person. Last thing here, this is from Benjamin Solak. This is a late edition. I'll be having fun watching him. Nate Tice, who I agree, Tyler Algier is a fun to watch player. But Nate Tice says, random college prospect tweet, but Tyler Algier is an absolutely phenomenal football player. Total package at the running back position. BYU running back. 
Benjamin Solak, friend of the show, and currently at the ringer. I have two draft takes at this time. This is the take. <laughs> but one of them is a hearty yes. Most fun BYU offensive prospect to watch in 2020. Ben, how is that a take? Mm. How is that a take? It's not a take. That's not a take. It's not. Tyler Algier is the most fun to watch prospect at but, BYU in 2020. So he's basically calling Zach Wilson not as fun to watch. Wow. Dax Mill not as fun to watch. Brady Christensen not as fun to watch. Tyler Algier was fun to watch, but I mean, it's not a take. Either mm. way, rookie of the week Com- combo here. What do you got? Yes. One offensive, one defensive. We're splitting it from now on because there's rookies balling out on both sides. Jalen Waddle goes for over 100 yards. Has a nice third down catch in traffic. Has a nice end zone catch in traffic. Has the big play on the slant. Massive game from him. And then the other side of the ball, Jeremiah was Koromoa. Nine stops everywhere in the run game. That dude flies the football. Sad we didn't get to see a 40 from him. But again, doesn't matter. You watched him on tape. You could tell that he was a dude. It's no fun to say Michael Parsons every week. He gets a shout-out, obviously. But he, he could have won this. Sertan. And then Sertan, two interceptions, both gimmies, though. So we're going to lean towards the guys. Well, one of them, yeah, it was a pop-up off of Austin yeah, Eckler's couple hands. Of yeah. uh, blackout of the week. This one, I didn't want to dog guys too much who got full games and were run. So this one's hilarious to me. Tamik Felton played one offensive snap. He dropped the football on it, Sunday Night Football. And then he had one punt return, one return in the game, negative three yards. So Demetric Felton, not your best day at the office. Only two chances, did not make the most of them. Last but not least, what was your cake your pants moment of the week? This one was going to be, I got a video. We were going to play this video, but I got sent a video by a friend of the pod, Cole Thune. Did you yeah, we him? met with him. We Cole met with Thune. him. Of Austin. I wish I could. I wish we could play it, but Austin, Austin gave it to Nano. Dancing on a table at a bar in Michigan, post-game victory. It was, I was. It is an electric, it's electric content that I agree, probably is not appropriate for a children's <laughs> podcast like this one but I, I will say this i will say this i was not completely sober in that video i'll say that and i thought you were it looked sober no the, the hat off my hair is like albert einstein yeah. out it is it is a disastrous look i was but, legitimately worried because if you look you're actually on two separate tapes i know i was splitting them yeah and one could have gone at any minute because that one almost warm, went i a gal I, I, on the there's a lass on the table next to you that's also rocking that. Yeah, thing. yeah. I, uh, I had to jump off because I almost spilled. <laughs> it was uh, it was a rough one. But I will say this. Can't play it on YouTube. We're going to save the people from that. We're saving your eyes from that. Yeah. But if you want to DM. If you want to DM me, I'll send it to you. Michael I'll, send you send it, I'll send you screenshots Michael will send you screenshots of it if you DM him. It is a phenomenal video. It's a yeah. phenomenal video. But you got to keep the children at home at bay. That's going to do it for this pod. Man, Ann Arbor, what a fucking trip, dude. We're going next year. Absolutely sensational. We might be going to the Big 12 title, Big 10 title in Indy. We'll see if it goes. TBD. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, tailgate.